My name is Rod Chance. I attend Claremont Bible Chapel. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of history on me. Now, unfortunately, some of the folks here know part of this. But uh, we'll see where it goes. Now, Mike had a prayer earlier. And his comment was that as believers, when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, we start well and we have joy. The goal is that we finish well and we have joy. Well, I didn't start well. And in between was kind of a disaster. We'll see what the Lord has in store for me and if I can finish well. I came from a family that was non-churched. My mother was divorced, had a uh, daughter. My father was divorced, had two daughters. They were both married. So it tells you the difference in the age in my mother and my father. I have a nephew that is one month older than me. The, uh, we lived in El Monte, never going to church, never thinking about that. In the fourth grade or fifth grade, a family called the Oats, O-A-T-S, around the corner, not even on our street, talked to my sister, said, we'd like to take the kids to West Covina, or excuse me, to Rosemead Church of Christ. My mom said, yeah. My dad said, I don't care. My dad was an alcoholic. He never did attend church, not one day. My mother did. She became a believer. The uh, one thing that I do remember from Rosemead Church of Christ is the first verse I ever learned, and that was Matthew 5:16, Let your light so shine before man that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Never forgot that verse. That was the first verse. The oats were probably 70 years old. They'd be 130, 40 right now. Uh, they took the time to take some young kids to a church that was at least 15 miles away. My family moved to Azusa, and my sister and I, uh, my natural sister, not my half-sister, went to West Covina Church of Christ. That's just where we were. There were over a hundred kids in the Sunday school in the high school class. We did all the things, going to camp. We went to ball games, uh, swimming at people's houses every Sunday night. What we didn't do, as far as I can remember, was do a lot of Bible study. I accepted the Lord as my Savior in the 11th grade, the same day my sister did. We were baptized the same day. There was no follow-up that I can remember. They were happy with numbers. We had over 100. We never had a follow-up. Again, I went to the different uh, uh, the camps, these kind of things, and I heard the Word. I didn't study the Word. I read the Bible a little, but I didn't get in-depth and study. I was not discipled. The oats got me to a church. I was going to a different church now. We lived in a different area. What I ended up doing, along with a lot of the uh, 
kids my age was standing in the parking lot and talking around the cars. I remember the elders coming out and saying, you know, you need to come into the church and uh, hear the, hear the uh, service. And we do that a little, but I fell away and I became a backslider. There was no quality of learning. I blame that on myself. The church maybe tried and I just didn't listen. I really don't know. But I knew I had the Savior in my heart. I just didn't do anything to grow. Well, after I graduated high school, I stayed out of school for one semester. There was one little thing going on at that time, and that was called the Vietnam War. The only deferment you had was being in college and not missing a semester, not missing a day. I got uh, uh, Matthew 11:28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. Well, all they said was, Come unto me. And that's what I did. On July the 2nd of 1967, I was given a telegram that said, If I don't show up the 5th, of July in downtown Los Angeles, a warrant would go out for my arrest for avoiding the draft. They'd been trying to get me. I don't know why they didn't, because I told them each time I moved, we did move a lot. I ended up going into the Army July 5th of 1967. The, uh, the thing that I can remember now by looking back from the day I got drafted, because I was going to join the Navy. That would have thrown off all kinds of timing in my life. I went ahead and went into the military on July 5th. Hebrews 13.5, the latter part of that verse says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I left the Lord. I was a backslider. He never stopped the protection that he had for me. Reason I say that, 200 people in a company, all drafted. In my platoon, there were 50. 47 of those went into the infantry. I went into the military police. Another guy was a cook. And another guy was in stores. I believe the Lord put me into the military police. I don't know the reasoning behind that. Maybe I couldn't have handled the infantry. Maybe I'd have been dead at this point. I don't know. But I became a military policeman. Sergeant Rollins was our instructor. And he told us two things. Do not go to Vietnam. And do not go to Saigon if you go to Vietnam. Vietnam, Saigon. The, uh, I ended up in the 716th Military Police Battalion. And what we did for eight months was sit behind a guard uh, area and guard buildings. The last four months you might get on a Jeep where you can drive around and actually do some patrol, that kind of stuff. They called us the Saigon Warriors because we didn't do anything. All we did was guard buildings. Well, political correctness was going on at that time. 
and they decided there should be no armed military in Saigon itself. Saigon's a city of one million people. There were four million in Saigon. Not one infantryman, not one artilleryman, just a bunch of military police. Six weeks after I was in Vietnam, there was a holiday called the Tet Holiday. Tet put together every holiday we have, New Year's, Christmas, you name it, Thanksgiving. Throw everything together, that's the Tet Holiday. There's an agreement they would never fight on the Tet Holiday. Well, North Vietnam decided that was the perfect time to attack Vietnam, or all of South Vietnam, especially Saigon, because they could take over the embassy, they could take over the headquarters for all of South Vietnam. I was on an alert force that night, and there were 12 of us. When the attack started at about 2, 2.50 in the morning, we were called out to go and stop or go try to find some missing military police that were in a jeep on patrol. What uh, the 12 of us did was go out and get stopped by uh, gunfire and three burning jeeps in an intersection. We got out, started working our way up. At this time, the embassy's under attack. There's probably 100, 200 MPs going over there. There's three different places where things are going on. The, uh, where we are, my sergeant said, go on the other side with these other three guys. I'm only a, a, a new guy in the Army. I'm a private, private first class. Work your way up on that side of the street. We'll work our way up on this side. First thing that happened is they cut loose on us with a machine gun from that side. They forgot we were over there. God's protection. Those bullets went about a foot, two feet over my head. I should have been dead that right then. No question. Worked our way up. We grabbed a guy out of the Jeep, brought him back. My sergeant, after I'm cutting out a lot of things, but the sergeant told me to go and get help. We need help. We're pinned down. Well, in military police training, they train us as if we're in a city. You never walk by a door because the bad guy can reach out and grab you. So when I went for help, it was logical to me to go down the middle of the street. That's where I went, right down the middle of the street. Went about 10 blocks, did some things to try to get some assistance, came back right down the middle of the street. Probably an hour later, a machine gun nest up on the top of a building cut loose on another group of people coming. I have no doubt they let me go out to get help, and let me come back. God's protection. I easily could have lost my life right there. Another thing that happened at that same time, very hectic, there were uh, 11 guys went upstairs in a three-story building, and I was told to stay down and guard the bottom floor. There's two doors, one over here and one over here, and I'm it, and I'm guarding that floor, watching both ways. My sergeant, who I talked to about three years ago, two years ago, 
let me know that he counted 45 Viet Cong that came by the one door, looked in, turned around and went the other way in a one-hour period, 45. There's no way I could have taken on 45 guys in an hour. I didn't have that much ammunition. Again, God's protection. What happened there was across the street was the racetrack, but next to that was a uh, cemetery. That was the headquarters for the South Vietnamese or the South Vietnam invasion. The general was over there. Everywhere the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese turned in Saigon, there were MPs, two guys in a Jeep, just causing trouble for them, stopping what they were doing. They didn't have any communication. They had no radios. So what they were doing was getting back to the general to find out what to do. They didn't want to fight on the way. God's protection. Another thing that happened to me, and again, it changed my life. I didn't go to church. I didn't go to any services while I was in the military uh, till I got back to San Francisco. One of our guys shot himself in the head right next to me. He was a foot away. Mike made a comment about young going to war, 20 years old going to war. Chuck Stanley was 19 years old. He had a habit of clearing his weapon. And when you clear your weapon, you put it in water or you put it, you aim it at water, you aim it at sand and you pull the trigger. See if there's a bullet in the chamber. Chuck Stanley always put that to his head. We came off duty, he cleared his weapon and he shot himself in the head. Up until that time, I only had two weeks left in, in Vietnam. I was due to leave. I had already extended 54 more days so that I could come back and get out of the Army. I was carefree. When I went in the Army, I knew I wouldn't be coming back, so I sold my car. Sold everything I had and basically told the family, when they bring the body back, you can do what you want with what you have. I lost that attitude two weeks before it was time for me to come home. And I decided I need to get back. There's other stuff I need to do. I am afraid. I'm deathly afraid. Another man was with me that day. His name was Tweed. Tweed was exactly the other way. He was scared to death. After that incident happened, he became carefree and he didn't care what happened to him. He was in Vietnam eight more months. I've talked to Tweed in the last two years. He can't, he, he can't be married. He can't live with anyone. He doesn't even want to hear about the Lord. We've talked about it. He is the kind of man that that incident ruined him. It turned me to the fact that what am I doing with my life? I'm in that middle ground. 
Start well, finish well. What are you doing in the middle? I wasn't doing anything. When I came back here, I got uh, into the, uh, well, actually, to what I did when that gunshot went off, my first sergeant came and said, uh, tear up your papers. I said, tear up the papers. I'm going home. Two weeks, I went home. I went ahead and did my time in the military up in San Francisco. But when I did get home, I took a li uh, test to be a military to be a police officer. But I also took a test to be a firefighter. That test came through first, and that's the job I took. 32 years with the LA County Fire Department. God protected me through the entire time in Vietnam. I can't tell you to this day how many other times I have been protected by God. My Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has something for me to do. I'm still looking. As I see opportunities, I step up to them. The oats. I don't do that. I should pick up kids and take them to church. Teach Sunday school Awana, whatever it is. I do some of those. Do Awana. The reason I say there was a change in my life is on the fire department, I, I worked my way up through the ranks. I was a paramedic at one time. We got a call of a child in the water, in a flood control channel on a heavy rainy day. We went to where he fell in. We looked. He wasn't there. We went downstream to where we knew he would end up. And long story short, I ended up falling into the water. There was a rope across, and I tried to cross to an a island on that rope. Water was only about two feet deep but it's 21 pounds of pressure, took my feet out from under me, and I ended up with a rope across my midsection. I couldn't breathe. That water pushing on me that way. I have young children at home. I have a young wife at home. There was a quick prayer, and that prayer was, Lord, take care of my family. Because what I was going to do to be able to breathe was to push out under the rope and then try to get to the side. The reason we were looking for that child is because you can't do that. It's very hard to get to the side. I knew how to do it. I still didn't think I'd be able to. But at least I could breathe. As soon as I was done with that prayer, and it wasn't verbal, it was in my head, there was a hand and I reached up, grabbed it, and I was pulled out of the water. The Lord protected me. Just gives me more thoughts that there's something there that I'm supposed to be doing. How many times in our lives have we been going somewhere and we forgot the keys and we had to come back and get the keys or we had to come back and get a coat. We had to come back and get a cell phone. What would have happened differently if you'd have left the five minutes before? I don't know. But were you being protected at that time 
as I was protected for the entire time in the military. There's many other, many other situations. I cannot address why another believer was in the infantry or why another believer was in another position where they got killed. I can speak to myself. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I forgot him. He never forgot me. What is the purpose in your life? Is it being with uh, the Oates family, being like them, picking kids up for Sunday school, introducing them to something that they've never heard of before? Is it teaching Sunday school? Is it Think about the many things we can do, especially the young ones here. Are you in those middle years? You started well. You're going to finish well. We pray. What are you doing in the middle years? It's difficult to keep that fight up. But we have to do that. It's not by earning, not by works, what we're going to do. But that's the way that it needs to be. The other thing, the bad part, is John 3.18. And the last part of that verse says that if you have made a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved. If you have denied Him, You've made a decision. You are not saved. You chose not to be saved. If you're in that situation tonight that you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you have made the decision to reject Him. That's what Mike's going to be speaking on tonight. That's what Joe spoke on Tuesday night. If you don't accept him, you have rejected him.